This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We've got John. I'm Jalen. We're so excited to be here. And John, this is a special episode because this is our 50th episode i know i can't uh, believe it I, it's it's shocking to me it's uh it's pretty amazing to think about and um I, let me ask you uh i'll share just for myself first because i don't i didn't ask you this beforehand but what has been something special about just doing this podcast or are there highlights is there a specific moment maybe or just in general things that you've appreciated about this podcast and the 50 episodes that we've done um you know i think for me a big part of it is just is just staying connected with you right obviously because we live you know hundreds of miles apart now uh, we don't get to see each other very often whereas before we saw each other very often and so just connecting with you is really special um but for me the other thing too is just learning from all these other pastors and, and ministers and servants of the lord that God has gifted and placed in different places. And it's just been a treat for me to be uh, on the front lines or, you know, kind of on a front row seat to hearing from and learning from so many of these wonderful people that we've had on. And so I'm really thankful to the Lord that he's allowed us to keep doing this um, and that we've had some really great people on. So that, that, those are highlights for me. How about for you? Yeah, for sure. I think stay, the the chance to stay connected um, week to week as we've been recording and, and dreaming through this podcast has been just so much fun. Uh, I think it started for us as like a pandemic hobby. I think our initial goal was 10 episodes. So the fact that we made it to 50 has been um, pretty amazing. I, I always laugh every time when I think like, wow, we're into our second year of doing this now. And I didn't know we were going to make it out of two months. But um, it's been a lot of fun. I think probably, like you said, um, being able to hear from from people in ministry from really, really different seasons of life, different areas of the country, um, and even different types of ministries has been really refreshing. Um, but I think for me, even beyond that, it's just really been able to get to know um, new pastors and, and new ministry workers that we otherwise wouldn't have gotten to know without this podcast. I think that those relationships have been probably one of the best things about doing this together. So. Yeah, but how have you been? Uh, we haven't recorded for you guys listening. You're hearing these episodes maybe week to week, but this is our first um, recording night in probably close to a month. And so, Jalen, you know, we haven't really been able to catch up through the busy holiday season, but what have you been up to? That's right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we could probably talk about, but it's been it's been a busy season, obviously. Uh, it's also been a fun season. I had, had a good time hanging out with the family, um, had a few days, uh, just to, just to hang out, uh, just to be with each other. And I think it was really just special to have everybody home, 
Uh, and, you know, in spite of everything going on with the pandemic, just find opportunities to have fun, to go out in safe ways and to connect and make memories as family. So that was really special. That was really fun. But yeah, now that we're into the new year here, it's been, it's been really busy. And, you know, we're recording at a time when, you know, the, the surge in COVID cases is probably starting to plateau a little bit and come down. But over the last few weeks, we had gone to, we had gone back to going fully remote or being fully remote for our worship services and for other gatherings and stuff like that. And, and now we're going back to in-person stuff again. And so I think just, you know, sort of the week to week or month to month uncertainty of things is always challenging, right? I mean, I think I was telling people it's, it's, it is in some ways more work, uh, just, you know, pre-recording things or doing everything remotely. Uh, but just, just to switch back and forth, it's, uh, it's emotionally and physically just exhausting and, and spiritually, you're really having, you're, you're really having to fight for, uh, just rest in the Lord. And so, uh, it's been, it's been a busy season of, of trying to balance all those things. And, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I I'm grateful for the Lord for, for his grace and all of it, but yeah. How, how have you been doing? How are things for you? Yeah. I think as you were saying that I could see our guests nodding and I was also nodding along because you're right. Like it's not so much having to, uh, the fact that you have to record or edit or do all these things, but it's the switching back and forth that you get into a certain rhythm in ministry and then having to turn that upside down. Uh, that's definitely been tiring. And I think we've been feeling that too at our church because we've had to make some adjustments since the new year. Um, but beyond that, it, it's been a good, uh, really good season for me. Um, I over, uh, like you were saying, spending time with your family. My siblings came to visit for Christmas, which was a ton of fun. It was my sister's first time visiting me here. Um, and so uh, her and my brother came together and we basically just hung out for a whole week. And um, I got to take them to all of my favorite places to eat, things to do. And then they had a whole list of things that they wanted to do that they dragged me along with. So it was a lot of fun. And then uh, over the New Year's weekend, our church had our um, young adult retreat, first one in like a decade. And that was uh, just a lot of work, but um, also I think during that weekend, seeing God work in the lives of these young adults, many of whom, um, even though we're all at the same church, have not been connected because we had people from college to working professionals, people from our church plant, and even other Alliance churches um, joining us. And so it was just a joy to see everyone connecting and spending time together. Um, so yeah, that was definitely one of the, the blessings and joys of, of this season for me. I noticed on, uh, I think I was following your Instagram feed and watching you take pictures of your sibling taking <laughs> pictures of things. And uh, that, that was fun. But yeah, I, I, of course, I know Justin and Janae really well. So it was, it was, mm -hmm. it was fun to follow, follow that adventure as you guys were hanging out together. Yeah, that, that Instagram series of pictures was quite popular with other people. They kept telling me, you got to bring this back and keep showing more pictures. But I think they caught on after a little while. So um, I don't know how happy they were about featuring on my my Instagram. But anyways, uh, for today, we have a very special guest joining us on the podcast. I've been looking forward to, uh, to this guest since probably day one of us starting um, the podcast. But we have on my boss, um, Ted Kang. Ted is the lead pastor at my church. Uh, I think technically his title is probably like lead slash English pastor. Um, but he has served at our church for many years. And I, I'm going to let him tell us more about his journey 
Um, but Ted, it's good to have you on. We're really glad that you're finally able to join us and record for the podcast. Hey, so uh, I feel so honored to be on this milestone episode. And uh, I can't believe you guys actually produced 50 episodes now. And I hope this will not grow into your full-time career, John. <laughs> but uh, great to be with you guys. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, Ted, thanks so much for joining us. You know, as we, as we uh, begin with every guest, we like to hear a little bit about their story, about their calling to ministry. Could you share with us briefly just your ministry calling and your journey into uh, the role that you're in now? Yes, uh, I was born and raised in Korea, and uh, early on, I had a pretty undeniable encounter with the Lord that literally changed the trajectory of my life. And then after I immigrated to Canada, uh, I went through just a season of very dark times in my family, and uh, I guess I could say that I backslid for a while. And then at the end of my college years, the Lord met me in a, a powerful way uh, that really restored my relationship. And I really felt the sense of calling. I actually ended up joining a missions agency called YWAM, and I served with them for a few years. And then I felt the need to invest into my own personal and pastoral growth. So I went to seminary in Boston, and that's where I met my wife, Sandy. Uh, who actually happened to be one of the guests in the past. And uh, after we got married, we really felt that the Lord was calling us overseas uh, to go as missionaries. So uh, we applied with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is the current denomination that I'm working with. And uh, the requirement to be sent overseas was to spend two years as interns in a local church. So this was back in 2001, Sandy and I, right after we got married, we made the move to come to San Jose to serve as missions intern. And our uh, plan was to spend a couple of years and then be sent out. Uh, that two-year internship turned into a 20-year sting. <laughs> and uh, we're still here. So uh, I have to be very honest that during those 20 years, I've had some uh, disappointments and questions about our calling and uh, there were some seasons of struggles, but if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I think there's just been a lot of things that you've said that to me are um, just uncommon, I think, in the Chinese church, just in the conversations that Jalen and I have had with different people. Um, a few of those, one of those being that you've been at the church for so long that not a lot of people um, stay in one place for this long. And, and so that's something that is just to your credit. Uh, I think the other part too, that has really was even a little mind boggling for me when I first met you was that you're, that you're Korean, but you are the lead pastor of a Chinese church. You know, it's rare enough for the English pastor to be, um, yeah, the lead pastor, but also for someone who's not ethnically Chinese to be in that role is I think even more rare. So you're a bit of a unicorn when it comes to Chinese heritage church ministries. And, and so that's kind of one of the things that I think we really want to dig into is just your experience of, of leading in our church um, at the intersection of all these different things um, that I think make you unique to this role. But maybe the first question that we, we just want to hear a little bit more of is what have been some of the, you know, what have been some of the joys and challenges that you've, uh, you know, that you face now leading this multi-congregation um, church and, you know, in, in my opinion, a fairly large staff team. 
first of all, I never thought that I would be in one place this long. Uh, before we actually moved to San Jose, I think the longest I lived in one place was in Boston for my seminary. And after we got married, it was five years. So I always thought of myself uh, just traveling, starting something new and then move on. Uh, God has a sense of humor. One of the things that I used to say when I was young is that I'll never be a pastor. I'll never stay in one place very long. And God has a sense of humor. And, and I think it's really his plan all along to really keep us uh, here as a pastor, just growing in our leadership experience. Uh, I probably have so many things that I can share as uh, joys of being in one place. But I think, uh, as you know, our church is still predominantly a Chinese church. And yet over the last six, seven years, I think the Lord really gave us a heart to partner with people other than Chinese. And so uh, as a result of that uh, vision, I think we've added at least three different language groups, uh, Spanish speaking, Cambodian, and uh, we always uh, celebrate the fact that we have the only Arabic speaking congregation, although it's still a small church plant uh, here in San Jose. And so I really believe that this is the expression of the kingdom of God that is described in Revelation 7.14. Uh, and my joy is that we as a church get to replicate that reality. And, and again, it's extremely challenging and sometimes it gets really messy. Uh, but I really believe that this is God's heart. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces, there's a lot of moving parts, and sometimes it does get messy. For you and your role as a lead pastor over, you know, multi-congregations and uh, different sites as well, what does it look like to lead well? Like, what are some qualities that, uh, that you recognize that God has, has given you or gifted you with? that help you to lead well in this season of ministry? Obviously, you can imagine the complexity of having multiple congregations coming from different cultures and walks of life. Uh, but for me personally, the real challenge was not so much about, you know, the cultural differences or the complexity, but uh, it's really the, the challenge of uh, leading well. I would call it spiritual leadership. And I know that there are many different definitions of leadership, but I really believe that being a good and effective leader is not the same as being a, a good spiritual leader. And uh, oftentimes I say this, uh, when I think of spiritual leadership, it is based on a completely different set of values. In the secular world, uh, to lead well, you have these leverages uh, that you can use. Uh, when people don't perform to your expectation or it's not really difficult to replace them or find someone better. But I feel like when I think of my time here at San Jose Christian Alliance Church, I feel like my lead, uh, gr uh, growth as a leader is really growing as a father. I can compare my pastoral leadership as more of a fathering. I have four young daughters that are still growing up and Again, it's, it's extremely challenging, uh, but so much of our leadership is based on, you know, getting things done, uh, being efficient and effective in what we do. But I realized over the years that uh, spiritual leadership is really based on covenant. Uh, I cannot just simply fire people because they cannot perform or I can just drop people and then move on. Uh, 
so I think the greatest challenge has been really how to develop people to be healthy and effective leaders. So, you know, just to follow up on that question, Ted, um, because you are now in the lead role at our church, but you weren't in this role for all 20 years. You kind of served in different roles in youth ministry, in our English congregation, and now in the lead role. Um, and so I guess what are some of the things that as you were serving in these different roles that has shaped the way that you think about spiritual leadership? Because I know from my experience with you that that's something that you've been doing from this lead position, but I know that you didn't just arrive at this all of a sudden, like, this is what I'm going to do, but it's something that you've been growing in or, or developing, or maybe even other people have poured into you um, and developed that over the years. So what, what did that look like as you were moving through your seasons, different seasons at SJCAC? Yeah, this whole idea of fathering, I feel like it's a destiny that the Lord was really birthing in my own life. So again, you know, we don't have time to really go back and I don't have time to share about my background, but, you know, I actually grew up without a father. And uh, uh, so this was really one of those areas that I needed healing and restoration in my own walk with the Lord. And I didn't realize that this was actually probably one of the areas of my greatest pain. And yet I feel like now what the Lord has shaped me over the last 20 years is to really rise up to that calling of fatherhood. Uh, so again, I learned so much from just raising my own children. And uh, the vision that I have for my girls is really not about, you know, how quickly I get things done. I'm more concerned about their maturity, their spiritual development, their worldviews and values. And there are people who came alongside, even in my time here in San Jose, uh, people who intentionally invested into my own personal growth. And I would say they not just led me well, I think they fathered me well. So now in my own leadership, I'm trying to replicate that experience and really help other people to really step into the fatherhood, spiritual fatherhood. And again, I don't wanna, we live in a very uh, gender neutral society. So when I say father, I'm not just speaking to men. I think this is more of a parenting. Thanks. Yeah, I think that's so helpful to think about. And, you know, as you said, like the ways that are, culture and society define leadership is so different than how we should as as pastors and really servants of the Lord define what spiritual leadership is like and so I really appreciate that uh, and, and maybe if we could uh, drill down a little bit deeper John had mentioned that you f serve as both the lead pastor but also the English congregation pastor for uh, for SJCAC so I'm curious, like, how do you balance the needs of the English congregation with the needs of the other congregations? Because I think it could be easy. I would imagine that it would be easy to kind of prioritize, you know, this, this congregation that you're leading, which is the English congregation, maybe over uh, the other congregations. And, uh, you, you know, if we're to kind of tease out that illustration of, of being the father, obviously, we don't have a favorite as parents but there are certain ways that we're, we relate to our kids that is very different. And it can appear to each of those children that we're playing favorites. And so we have to explain or uh, demonstrate to them that it's not necessarily that we're playing, playing favorites, but there is a, a different way that we kind of interact with each of our children. And uh, I don't know if I'm just kind of taking this illustration too far, but how would you, <laughs> how would you, how would you, uh, how do you balance the needs of one congregation over another because you are leading the English congregation? 
No, that, that's a, a great question. And as our church was really going through this transition of leadership, that was actually one of the questions and the concerns that was expressed uh, by some of the leaders and pastors and elders. And I'm in such a unique situation because I feel like I, I'm a product of my own cultural upbringing. So, you know, John mentioned that I'm Korean leading a Chinese church. So when I stepped into this role, I kind of brought another dimension of my, my Koreanness. I grew up in a Korean culture. Uh, so that added to the whole complexity. And yet, in some ways, that has really helped me because uh, all these three congregations really saw me as someone who's very neutral, although I don't speak Chinese. And so I had to do a lot of listening. And, and that's where I think I, God was really train, training me to really father these three congregations. So you use the word um, balancing the need. Uh, obviously, uh, the needs that each of the congregations go through is very, very unique. Some are common, some are very unique and different. Uh, so one of the things that I really had to learn is instead of just trying to find that fine balance uh, of three different cultures, uh, I had to remind myself that there is actually a kingdom culture that we need to come under. Uh, so uh, I had to really learn to promote and elevate the kingdom culture instead of just trying to navigate through all the challenges of different cultural values and expectations. Obviously, you know, Asian culture is very authoritarian. Uh, so especially those that are coming from the mainland, they expect me to just pretty much tell them what to do. And they just submit to my leadership. Whereas, you know, serving in an English congregation, we value more of empowerment and freedom, creativity and ministry. Uh, so I think each culture has these elements that are really reflective of the kingdom culture. And then I really had to find uh, that kingdom culture to really be promoted above all three, four, five different ethnic and, and cultural values that we hold on to. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that, the way that you, you frame that as having a, a kingdom culture. And and I think that probably as I'm listening to you talk about that and I'm reflecting on just my experience with our church and with the different congregations, I recognize that that kingdom culture, it looks different in each congregation, but there's like a, there's a vein or, or a heart that runs through it that that is similar. And so I know that these are, again, things that are cultivated over time and not just, you know, you telling them this is what you have to do, but you modeling it and then you helping them. Uh, helping our church, the different congregations and the team that we're on, um, yeah, grow in this together. So one of the questions that that I just was wondering if, um, or a question that I was curious about is, what are ways that you've really sought to um, develop healthy communication between you and the other congregation pastors, the other ministry leaders, or even between congregations? Because I know that there are times um, that, you know, if you look at all the different Chinese churches across the country, I'm sure that there are some churches that have communication and have relationship down really well. And then there's others that maybe that's a struggle where different congregations, they just kind of do their own thing, like the silo mentality has taken over. And so what are some of the ways that you've really sought to, to um, build up those relationships, build up those, uh, that communication with, with between congregations? Yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I'd say I'm still learning, and that's what excites me. Uh, 
because it's challenging, it's very complex. And you're part of the culture now and you've been with us for almost a year and a half now. So I would love to hear your observations as well. But I think it really takes a lot of intentionality to do things together. Uh, so uh, it's actually easier to do our own congregational thing and have this silo mentality. Uh, but I think if we build enough cultural momentum, at least among the staff and elders, I think that really uh, becomes the pattern for the rest of the congregations to really follow. So, I mean, we've had our staff meeting this morning and even just to plan a conference, we have to think about translations and language and different needs of different uh, groups. And I, I'm gonna be really honest with you, there were times uh, in the last 20 years that I thought to myself, gosh, it would be so much easier if we just kind of go our own separate ways and we kind of operate as three or four or five different churches. Uh, but every time I think about what God is producing uh, uh, in us, in our church, I think it really pleases him. And again, this goes back to that vision of Revelation 7:14 that this is what the kingdom of God is actually going to look like. And I think the church is supposed to replicate that model. Uh, so I think for me, uh, it's a battle. Uh, again, it, you mentioned the longevity. I think I've been here long enough so that people now understand that this is really God's heart. And this has become kind of a value set for us. So it's much easier now to maintain uh, that mindset and, and pursue unity. But I have to say there were times that I just felt like throwing in the towel and just, you know, do our own thing. Yeah, well, I'm glad that I've hopped on this train a little bit later <laughs> in, in that in that journey, um, because I'm really thankful for the way that, um, you know, in our staff meetings that we really get to get a sense of where all the different congregations are. And, and I really think that just being uh, I don't think that I'm just, you know, trying to brag about our church, but I recognize that each of our congregations has different strengths and different um, things that different ways really that we've sought to to love people and to serve people well, but it's just so different from congregation to congregation. So I, I will admit, even as you were sharing, you know, that in the past that there are, are times that were challenging to do that. I, I think I, I sometimes sit in those staff meetings and I wonder, oh man, how are we going to solve this situation it's not a problem it's just this thing that has has um happened in our church and we just need to be mindful of how do we really solve this uh situation together as multiple congregations serving together um so i'm thankful for the example that that you've set for us well and let me let me ask both of you guys and i'll start with you john since you've been there for less time but you know as you're as you're aiming at or as you're looking at the vision of revelation being sort of the goal for establishing this kingdom culture for this multi-congregational gathering what are some ways that you guys have identified or learned about each specific congregational culture like what are some tools that we can give to some of our listeners in in kind of thinking through or learning about the other congregations and what their culture is like but then helping them to establish a more biblical, unified, uh, you know, kingdom culture. So John, I'll start with you. Like, what are some things that you've done to kind of learn about the other congregations? And yeah. So I'll, I'll share a little bit of my perspective while Ted, you can think about how you want to answer that question. Um, and 
I'll just say this because of the amount of time that I've been here, just being a little over a year and a half now, um, I recognize that I'm still getting my bearings and still getting to know our different congregations. But I, I would say just from a short term view, um, one of the things that I've I feel like I've noticed is, um, you know, in our and I'm not saying that because one congregation does this, that the other congregations don't do this, um, but I just feel this is something a characteristic that stands out to me. So in our Cantonese congregation, um, I, I feel like there is a very um, strong vein of wanting to love our community, wanting to be proactive in, in serving people. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that other congregations aren't doing it, but that seems to be something that that really resonates with them. And I think it comes out of um, the leadership in that congregation from our Cantonese pastor and, and his team of leaders. Um, I think in our Mandarin congregation, just in the short time that I've been here, there's been a strong vein of really, um, yeah, reaching out to non-believers and, and they're using some, well, they have really, I feel like capitalized on, on, you know, this season where we've had to shift so many things online for such a long time. Like for me, that was agony because having to do ministry from through a screen was like, Oh, this is, I kept telling myself, this is impossible, but I feel like the, our Mandarin congregation really embraced that. Um, and then, you know, our, uh, our English congregation, you know, I, I think one of the, the joys of being in that congregation and serving primarily in that one is that there is a real deep desire to see the next generation of folks that are in our church learning to, to walk with Jesus, to like walk deeply with Jesus the way their parents and generations before them have done. And there's a really strong emphasis on that. And so when you talk about like all these different unique cultural values, you know, I don't think that, again, Ted, I think you said this earlier better than I did, but I don't think that it's because the congregations are so different that we've now focused on different things. I think it's just that the reality that as a church, we really need each other to, to do all that God wants us to do. And, and, you know, when we want to have this unified kingdom culture, really it's just, we want to reflect the full heart of Jesus in our church. And I think he's gonna equip and empower different congregations to do that in different ways. Um, getting to the point where you figure out what's that vein, what's that, you know, that niche that your congregation, you know, uh, wants to go into, I think that's probably dependent on the people and long seasons of cultivating leaders and, and ministries and, and really, um, yeah, I guess just uh, stewarding what God has given us, stewarding it well. Um, but I feel like I get the privilege of just coming in from well-established into well-established things and just jump on board where I feel like my gifting is. Very well said, John. Um... Just a couple thoughts that come to my mind. Uh, Jalen asked about maybe some tools that might help other churches. Uh, one word that comes to my mind is just time, time spent together. Uh, again, you know, that can be said in many different ways. Uh, but if I, I stepped into my lead role about seven years ago, and if I came from outside trying to change the existing culture of our church, I think that would have been very, very difficult. But I think the fact that I've spent the last 20 years eating with people, breaking bread and in fellowship, uh, I think that gave me a level of trust. And I think I also allow people to really understand uh, 
what my heart is and my ministry philosophy is. Uh, so that was, uh, again, it's not a tool, but I think if we can encourage the listeners to be patient, if you really have a desire to create a culture like this. And again, you know, we, I, I feel like we have a long way to go, John. I, again, I, I love our church and I'm proud of what God is doing here, but I, I just feel like there's just so much uh, for us to do before we can actually fully replicate that Revelation 7:14 reality. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing. And then the other thing, as I think about our journey as multi-congregation, one thing that has really helped us to stay united is really prayer. So this is one value that I would not uh, 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 compromise. And again, this is one of the conversations we just had this week in our staff meeting. You know, there are times that we feel like it's so much more efficient if we just prayed in our own language, it would eliminate the need for translation of worship and all the, the leaders that we have to raise up. And yet, because we stayed committed uh, to this, and uh, I feel like there's something uh, that happens when we pray together. Uh, in fact, I think it changes our perspective of God's heart. Uh, what is really trying to accomplish in us. So I think that was one thing that has really created this sense of unity and commitment to this uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic vision uh, that we hold on to. Yeah, I really appreciate that, especially that idea of, of praying together and praying across congregations, you know, among the other, you know, having prayer with the other leaders of the other congregations because uh, because you're right it does it does humble us right and it it, it forces us to consider prayer, prayer does that work of of forcing us to consider others uh and, and to bring the needs of others to the lord together and I, I really appreciate that um you know one thing that i would i would maybe just add as a as a tool is i found that uh for me personally, I, I was never really into history growing up in school. That was not my forte. That was not something that I enjoyed. But I've recognized too that being in a Chinese church, there is there is uh, a lot of rich history in each congregation, and it's important for us to discover how that history has shaped the current values mm. and the current rhythms of ministry, and I think. Of course, for me as an English pastor, understanding sort of the history of the English congregation, uh, but also if I want to pursue greater unity with the Chinese congregation, I need to learn the history of the Chinese congregation as well. And uh, as you said, Ted, break bread, have meals with people from the other congregation and, and not just to have conversations about what's happening now, but what's happened in the past and how does that shape where God has led this congregation and where he's going to lead this congregation. And then, as you guys are saying, um, work together to, to pursue that, that kingdom, that kingdom culture. It's a great word. We've already mentioned this, Ted, um, and uh, I, I feel like I'm a product of this question. So I already kind of know how you're going to answer, but I think maybe for, um, for other listeners to the podcast, it would be helpful for them to get some insight into this. But because you are uh, leading a fairly large team of, of pastors and staff and, um, you know, pastors in different seasons of life in different types of ministries, uh, what are some ways that you have found practical or helpful in um, developing the other pastors on our staff? And then also maybe what's some uh, specific 
things that you know you want for us to to understand or to know uh i guess i'm trying to how do i phrase the second question is is like what's something that we can do to be developed better if that makes sense so if someone was listening and they're not in a lead role but they have a lead passer over them this is an encouragement you can give to them on this is how you can uh, really seek to grow under somebody's leadership yeah um I, I can probably give a couple of examples, uh, obviously, because, you know, as I've been growing in my leadership responsibility, I cannot develop everyone. I think that was one of the challenges that I had to really overcome uh, because I, at one point I was ministering to our youth and then I became the pastor over our English congregation. And again, people's expectation changed with my responsibility. And then when I stepped into the lead role, I could not do the things that I used to uh, with people. Uh, my availability was very limited. And, and there are people who were quite disappointed or hurt by that and, and moved on as well. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I had to really learn is uh, uh, how to actually create a structure uh, that will promote growth. Uh, again, we can use the word development. I think one of the things that I had to really learn is that I cannot personally be involved in developing every single person. That's almost impossible, even with our staff at this point. So I had to figure out a way for us to create some sort of uh, structure where people could actually help each other to grow and develop one another. So that's kind of the culture that I'm creating uh, in our staff meeting, in our elder board. And you've experienced some of that as well. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, one way that I that has been very, very effective is uh, this is one of the reasons why uh, we kind of took church planting seriously, because it's the best way to develop leaders. When you gather a group of people and empower them and send them out with some resources, uh, there's no way you're not going to grow uh, or be developed when you are on a mission together. So as a leader, I felt like my key responsibility is to create uh, these, again, I use the word structure. Sometimes I would call this incubator for leadership development. So even if I'm not involved in each individual development, I think there's a way to promote that culture uh, to really nurture and, and train people. So that's one practical way. I forgot what, what the second question was. Yeah, so I think my, my follow up question was for somebody if you were to share with somebody who is on a staff that had a lead pastor over them, what are ways that they can be. Uh, you know that they can respond to that so that they can grow better or learn well from from their lead pastor. Yeah, I think this is probably the answer much better answer can be. <laughs> uh, coming from you, because this is something that I learned from you. You're very, very intentional and relational <laughs> in terms of seeking out opportunities to grow. And so I think that's really the key. Again, you know, we use different words and terminologies, but development, again, if we go back to the fathering analogy, there's nothing that can really replace time spent together talking about life, talking about struggles that we go through, and even our own testimonies and our experiences of who God is. So you've been very intentional since day one, and we've had many late night conversations in our backyard over meals and different things. So I personally think that that's uh, uh, the best way to impart life to another person. So hmm. it kind of goes both ways. Uh, on one part, I'm talking about more of a structure or program that will kind of 
self-developed people, uh, whereas on the other spectrum, you have to be very, very intentional and relational in terms of, you know, seeking to really grow. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it does. And I think for me, I, I've seen that not just for myself, but it's replicated in our church, even if it's not replicated directly from you to like every single one of our staff or every single leader in our church, because I can see the like pockets of that happening in different places, whether it's in the youth ministry or, or college ministry. And so, um, yeah, I, I just think that for me, it's a two way street, right? That I, yes, I have pursued it. And there are probably people out there who have looked for that from pastors that uh, were not willing to give that. And so I'm really thankful that, that you've been willing to have me over and talk life and ministry. And that's probably the part that helps me grow more in my ministry is being able to talk non-ministry things with you. And so, yeah, I, I guess for our listeners, if I had a piece of encouragement for you, it would be, it would be to, to look for relationships, whether that's with other staff or with just mentors in your life that can really uh, develop you outside of that ministry context. Well, John, we certainly appreciate that piece of advice and encouragement. Um, but every time we close our podcast, we always ask our guests what piece of advice and encouragement they would offer. And so, Ted, you know, as we wrap up, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot that you could share, but what's one important piece of advice or encouragement that you would want to share with somebody who's currently serving in a Chinese heritage church? Sure. Um, we began this conversation with uh, my own calling, and I want to maybe end with on that note. Uh, if I can just encourage all the pastors, listeners, uh, we can define calling in so many different ways, but I, I just want to, one thing that God really had to teach me over the last 20 years is that we all have only one calling. It's not really to a ministry. It's not to a people group. Uh, I never say that I'm called to a pastor, a Chinese church, uh, but the calling really is unto God himself. And again, our 20 years of internship here in San Jose I think that was a primary lesson that the Lord had to teach us, both my wife and I. I think there are times that, you know, we feel like this is not what I signed up for. So we're constantly looking for that next thing. Uh, but if we can really see our calling as unto the Lord himself, I think all the others are just different assignments that God gives to us in different seasons. And those things can change. But I think if we keep that vision alive, and if we make that our primary calling, I think everything kind of flows out of that one calling that the Lord really wants to give to us. Ted, I appreciate that word. Uh, it's not something, this is not the first time I've heard that. And so I know that you're living it out. I know that uh, you really mean that as an encouragement for our listeners. And so thank you for coming on the podcast with us. It's just been such a blast to hang out with you and talk ministry in this context of a, of a podcast and sharing you with some of our listeners. Uh, so thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, thank you for inviting me. This was so much fun and I hope I get to get uh, be invited again. Oh, you definitely will. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Jalen and John. Thanks, Ted. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.